quick note about today's episode, you'll notice that April pretty abruptly drops out of the discussion. She had some technological issues, and rather than trying to reschedule with three people, we decided to just run with what we've got. So just know we didn't kick her out, and or she's not staying silent. She just isn't there. Um, but she is there with us in spirit. Hi, this is Shay. This is April, and this is the Bitch Bombs Book Club. A podcast about moms, motherhood, and parenting as portrayed in literature. Disclaimer, we're not above swearing or discussing graphic content. So if you're sensitive to that, or you have your kids or mother-in-law in the car, uh, this may not be the podcast for you right now. So really quickly, we've got a special episode today. We are joined by Diane Marie Brown, author of Black Candle Women, a multi-generational novel about a family under a decades-old curse, dooming any person they fall in love with uh, when a surprise guest forces each woman to reckon with her own past choices and mistakes, and the family is set on a collision course dating back to a voodoo shop in 1950s New Orleans. Welcome, Diane. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you. Your book, everyone needs to go just buy it just for the cover alone. Um, Black Candle Woman. It is like one of the most beautiful covers I've ever seen. Oh, thank you. You should also read it, but it is beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I was thrilled uh, because I heard horror stories of some people with their cover process and going back and forth. But um, I, this was pretty, what the cover that we came up with or that was finalized was pretty close to the first draft that they shared. So awesome. Uh, Diane, tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I um, live in Southern California. Um, I grew up in Northern California, but came down here to go to school and just stayed and uh, majored in sociology. I have a degree in public health, but there's always uh, this little creative bug that I had really because my I had a mom who was a kindergarten teacher and a crafter and just always supported me in doing anything creative. So I played instruments. Um, I I was an only child, so I wrote plays that I performed for her. I played a lot with my Barbies and my Cabbage Patch dolls, just making up stories. So I've always just liked stories and just that kind of um, idea that you just make things up and kind of live in other worlds. I'm also a mom of four daughters, um, and... I feel like being a mom is really, I've been a mom for such a long time. I had my my first, my oldest daughter when I was 19 um, in college. And so I feel like that's always just been like tied to like my personality just because I was such a young mom and um, I got so much help and support from friends, but that was always me. I was like the girl who is a mom and um, was lucky enough to have addi- additional kids all girls which i love um maybe i'll have grandsons who knows that's awesome Mm -hmm. well that makes sense because um your characters in this book you can tell that they're family because of how realistic their interactions are um specifically victoria and um the mother uh 
Madeline? Madeline. Madeline. Or... There you go. Okay. Um, yes, Madeline with the Y. Um, so, so I really enjoyed like that interaction. Um, so I can tell that your mom. Yeah. I have a, a, I still have, but have had a day job that, um, has challenged me in different ways, uh, over the years, some good ways and some bad ways. But, uh, when I had the time, I started writing in my my early 20s and then let it go and then picked it back up and then at some point decided that you know hey maybe this is something I could really do when I learned about how other writers um, balance things and uh, so I went back to school and got a degree in professional writing um, at USC and in one of those workshops um, there was a prompt. I don't remember what the prompt was, but there was a prompt, and that is where I first wrote about the Montrose women. So it's a really long time ago, but that's where the story started. And then in other classes, I just developed it a little bit more. And then the first 100 pages ended up being the thesis for my program. That sounds just like Shay. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think with with yeah, my uh, debut novel was also my thesis, my yes. MFA thesis. Yes. It started with a writing prompt. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. In so. in the class that I just kept going with. I was curious because I remember you had ta- said you were a a um, only child, uh, but you have sisters in here. So mm-hmm. where did you sort of get the inspiration or like the research for that sibling relationship? Yeah, that goes back to, you know, the whole idea of me and make-believe, always wanting sisters, always wanting siblings. And so that was just kind of my way of saying, hey, maybe if I had a sister relationship, this might be the dynamic. And, you know, watching my girls and their interactions. Fun, I think, creating what I always wanted, Um, even though there's maybe a little more drama, but uh, just having that closeness uh, that you just have with this other being because of that shared uh, experience of living with the same parents, grandparents, same household. Um, so that's kind of where that came from. Yeah, welcome. Uh, welcome to the show today, Diane. Um, we're going to share a couple of just parenting things um, yeah. that we uh usually kind of go through uh throughout the week um so uh april do you have a bitch and piece for the week yes um so i have an incredible kids but i swear my daughter will ask me for something like i would like to go to daycare today and i'm like can't go to daycare today because today's not a daycare day and she loses her mind and then yesterday I had a surprise daycare day because I had to go to the chiropractor. Thanks, Shay, um, who got me into that. But uh, so I take her to daycare and she like loses her mind. And she's like, I don't want to be here. It's not daycare day. And I'm like, you ask me every day if you can go to daycare. And because it's not a daycare. So this morning she was like, well, I'm not going to daycare because I wait yesterday. And I'm like, today is daycare day. So mom needs a break. You got to go. Yeah, you know, my bitch and piece is kind of along the same lines. We are in a phase where everything is no. Uh, Don't want to get in the bath. 
don't want to get out of the bath, don't want to go to bed, don't want to get out of bed, uh, don't want to watch a movie, don't want to finish the movie, just everything. Everything is a fight and everything is no. And it gets so frustrating. And it's just like, well, too bad. That wasn't a question. You're just going to have to deal with it. So that's been fun. Just this tug, pull and tug uh, about that. Um, Diane, I know your kids are older, so I don't know if you have anything about I'm sure you have something. I mean, at some point, I, I think I got to, I was just like, okay, do whatever you want. <laughs> and I'm just going to, you'll, everything will turn out fine. I just had to just let them, let them run loose and destroy the house i i just wanted to like sleep and eat and watch television so i don't think that's right and they all turned out all right yeah they're pretty good like they're they're fine yeah they're surviving okay that makes me feel better so let's flip the script uh and do some precious moments do you have one what's yours april okay so it's really cute um the other day i went into my kids room and my daughter said mom what do I do if her brother gets out of bed because he is now at the age where he will climb out of his crib and I can't actually keep him in his crib because he's just big enough that he can't well I said well just wait till he climbs back in she said but he's been getting in bed with me and we sleep together at night and we snuggle is that okay and I was like I was like, I really want a video monitor so I can see this. And I was like, sure, that's fine. And they they adore each other. It's like the best brainwashing I ever did as a parent. Convince them that they are each other's best friend. And now they are most of the time when they're not smacking each other. That's cute. Mine was it rained a couple days ago, which is it's Washington. So that's not surprising. But yeah, we my son was like look outside it's raining and I was like yeah and then he wanted to watch it so we went out and stood at the back door and I was like you know what I could do you one better so I like picked him up but we went outside and we like spun around in the rain and he just thought it was like the best thing because normally I just sit inside while he goes and gets drenched and he just we just had a great time just like for five minutes but it rained so that was kind of fun just getting to play in the rain with him nice summer rain um what about you Diane I think it was the other day um or a couple of days ago um my daughter calls me and she's uh she's in college but she hasn't gone back yet and she calls me into the room she's like mom and I don't remember exactly what it was that she told me but it was something about the um uh, that happened in Ahsoka the new Star Wars um series and she's like breaking it down uh and I'm like we have come full circle because I was like this little Star Wars nerd but I'm like back in the original and somehow I passed that on to her and she's like amped about it and like she's the one who's like teaching me and uh, she is now the master Um, and so that just like warmed my little heart like oh my gosh she's 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 taking it all in somehow and uh, so yeah yeah, that's fun. Great. We'll come full circle. Just indoctrinate my kids now for the things that I like, and they'll come back around. <laughs> I mean, that's what my mom did. 
So, yeah. and we are very similar in our likes. Yeah. Shay, do you have a book for us? Yeah, I do. So I actually am doing more of a like author spotlight rather than just a book. Um, but I, the book I have to share is called Old Wood Boat by Nikki McClure. And she is a local children's book author, uh, local to where I live. Um, but she is an author illustrator and her illustrations are all, um, they're kind of in that style of like wood carvings. You know, like that. Oh, like printmaking wood, yeah. wood carving. I always think of like um, Eastern Asian, like old Eastern Asian, like prints. So it's kind of like that and like the wood prints. Um, but all of her books are made in that style. Um, and she has like tons of them. So we have old wood boat. But she also has one that's called like to market to market about like the farmer's market. And has one about like chickens running away or like chickens running around so yeah uh nikki mcclure n-i-k-k-m-c-c-l-u-r-e um but old wood boat is about just like a boat that was uh shored and gets fixed up and gets put back on the ocean like that that's the whole story um but it's really it's a really beautiful drawings um or really beautiful artwork so yeah look up all of her books there's something to be said for like the beauty of the pictures because when you're a little kid i would imagine i mean i don't remember being that little but like the pictures are half the best part the words can say whatever they want but the board the pictures and different kinds of artwork is like, ooh, I have a book. It's called Smoky Night. So there's a book called Smoky Night. It is about the L.A. riots in the 90s. It is 92. 90s. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were too. Um, it's called Smoky Night by Eve Bunting, illustrated by David Diaz. And so it's like acrylic painting but it's on like paper right so so you have these really beautiful illustrations and then the words are also done on like craft paper or something right so it's very interesting and, and it's a uh, caldecott winner but one of the reasons i like this so much is that it takes people living in an apartment buildings um experiencing something very similar but who like don't interact hardly at all and so by the end they realize that they need to be a better knit community and so they become friendly i would say friends so it's it's really cute it's really beautiful um it was something we read in started reading in 2020 um because of the riots talking about race and like differences between people. And it was just a really beautiful segue into that kind of conversation with my daughter. Yeah. Thanks, April. Yeah. So check out those books. We'll put them on our bookshop shop um, and probably post them on Instagram or something so you can see them. Okay. Let's jump into today's book with Diane, Black Candle Women. Um, as usual, spoiler alert from here on out. Uh, we will be discussing the whole plot in depth. 
Uh, so first I want to go through our character list because it is a four person point of view. We kind of switch back and forth through points of view. Uh, so we have Augusta, so Augusta or Augusta? Augusta. Yep. Okay. Who is called Nan Augusta. She's the matriarch. Uh, she's the grandmother and great grandmother of the other characters, uh, and mother, um, the curse there's a curse that happens in the book that starts with her we'll talk about the curse in a second um and she is non-vocal as a result of a series of strokes uh, and then we have victoria who is augusta's older granddaughter um she's the mother of the story um she's a therapist has the gift and is a widow um, you describe her as victoria had lived a disciplined life a consistent life to get nikki where she was um so really quickly could you explain the gift to us diane yeah kind of the way that i considered the gift or thought of it was um just a, kind of an enhanced ability that maybe some of us have but it for her it's just turned up really really high so um this ability to uh understand people being very sentient um and so the way i imagine it for her is if she touched a person as she can tell you know if they are if they are good natured if they are evil if they were keeping secrets if something even maybe something terrible is going to happen to them she just had that um in um i guess innate Yes, innate this innate sense about other people. So that's this gift that's been carried on through their family line and that she believed would be passed to um, Nikki and her daughter. And it's also the gift. It could manifest itself in different ways in this family, but that was her interpretation um, because she felt that she had this gift. Um, but anytime somebody had the gift, it's something that s should help people. It yeah, and is it, I think it's sort of like the the legacy is that one person in the family gets it or it's set up that one person in the family gets the gift. Yes. So, so yeah, so it, the, the gift continues, but it's really just one in each generation um, that mm -hmm. inherits the gift. But Willow has something too. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the big question is who really, who really has the gift? And I think that's kind of an, and I've been asked that <laughs> it's kind of an unanswered question of who who it is that really has the gift because willow has some abilities but she wasn't the one who the family believed had the gift but she believes that she's one who um has the gift but they both help people in different ways and so maybe whatever it was they might not have even needed it maybe they just had to believe that they had it as I was reading it, it felt like Madeline didn't get it. So it seemed like it might have skipped a generation and maybe both girls got it. You don't have to answer that question. But that was my reading into it is like it just skipped Madeline and both of her daughters ended up sort of with half yeah, of it. That could that could have been some that could have been it too. I kind of left it open and did. Yeah. I liked that. 
I love that too. I love ambiguity in literature. Um, yeah, so we, we kind of mentioned Willow. Willow is Victoria's younger sister. She's the freewheeling one. Um, she works as her sister's receptionist. She's also like the cook in the family, the potty mouth in the family, and has always been boy crazy. Um, she often feels very overlooked and undervalued because she was the sister that wasn't gifted, essentially. Um, uh, and she's, you know, child free by choice and, and a free willing woman. But she loved being Nikki's aunt. Uh, and then we get Nikki, who is Victoria's 17-year-old daughter. Um, she's always been a rural follower. She's a straight-A student with a promising future ahead of her. Uh, and she's always followed the rules until her 17th birthday. Um, yeah, and that's the start of our story. Um, we do have one other kind of main character. Well, not really main character. We do have another character that comes in who is Madeline who is Victoria and Willow's estranged mother, but she doesn't have um, a point of view. Um, why doesn't she get one? Lynn doesn't. Is She's really the only one who um, doesn't buy into the the whole idea of the gift um, or the curse. She um, Probably more the curse. She doesn't buy into the curse really at all. And so... I kind of wanted her to be able to play off the others with with this belief, and I didn't want us to see. I just wanted us to witness her um, ideas about it through her interactions with others, rather than us to see her internal thoughts about it. So, yeah, she is sort of kind of a plot device. Not like that sounds like bad. <laughs> right, right. She right. is. She like shows up and stirs the pot, and like kind of as the catalyst for everything like things are starting starting to go before she gets there then she shows up and like that's when things really start to explode in the story uh so those are our four slash five characters that we're kind of working with through the story um and then i loved this quote um that sort of sets up the whole book uh, the woman and her family lived solitary lives generations of them under one roof adapting to their isolated ways doing fine they all believed they were private kind of people had to keep others out to keep the secrets in and that is essentially the summary of the whole <laughs> the summary of all the characters and uh the storyline can you d explain to most of our listeners who probably won't have firsthand knowledge or experience of voodoo hoodoo and how they're different and connected so I had a lot of fun researching voodoo and hoodoo once I decided to kind of ground the story in New Orleans and thinking that this might be an interesting element to bring into the book. Um, so voodoo is kind of the religious spiritual side. Um, it's considered a religion by many and that many, they're practitioners of voodoo. And um, it... In many cases, it aligns very closely with um, some elements of Catholicism. And so how I've understood voodooism is that um, there are spiritual beings who intercede for humans uh, to God, and we can go to them to for 
types of uh, requests and they have their preferences based on the, the lives that they lived before they passed away and became these um, spiritual beings. Voodoo has its roots um, in uh, Africa, in Haiti, and several other countries. And um, for um, Black people who practice hoodoo, um, they aligned it with Catholicism so that they could still um, use some of their beliefs and practices from their um, where they came from and what they culturally practiced, um, but kind of hide it under uh, the arms of Catholicism. So that's why you see these voodoo saints sometimes connected to Catholic saints. That's really the basis of voodoo. Um, and then hoodoo is sometimes what we, in, we think about when we say the word voodoo, we think about um, the tricks and the spells and the powders and potions and um, the connection to um, herbal preparations. Uh, but that's hoodoo. So hoodoo is the, the practice uh, really of healing and um, trying to change fortunes in some cases. Uh, but it's kind of that uh, the practical side. Um, and so you see Hudu and Voodoo most often working together, um, but they are distinct, I guess, entities in, in a way, but they, but they overlap. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like there's definitely sort of a misunderstanding of either of those, like it's fully pagan, or I mean, if you're a fundamentalist Christian, it's just satanic all around. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to add, it's it's very misunderstood. Like I've, you know, heard from, you know, people here, they're like, oh, I'm not going to read that book because, you know, it's demonic or it's, you know, it's anti-Christian. And, you know, I, I practice Christianity. Um, and I, what I learned about voodoo is that really about healing and helping people, especially um, for people seeking injustices and are not able to get justice on their own. Um, but just like with any religion, it can be used negatively. And so that's what I think has happened to the to voodoo because of, um, for various reasons, but particularly like Hollywood, you know, we, of course we're gonna focus on the, the dark pieces because that's what makes good film and television. But people, I think people can take anything and turn it into something that's uh, negative. Um, but at it, at its heart, I, I see it as something very healing and helping. Yeah, we've definitely had this conversation in uh, other episodes where it's like, this is like religion can be good, but it can also definitely be used for bad. Uh, but that's not really the case here. It's sort of like mostly we we get the bad in here but it's like it's the people driven bad right like the 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 rituals themselves are not bad it's the people using those rituals um in a negative way um so we start um we start the the story with Nikki's birthday mm -hmm. uh and Victoria's picking up a cake and um she has been hiding her voodoo from her daughter all this time right 
And so she's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's been, she practices Catholicism. So that's, you know, that's kind of how she, how she hides behind her actual beliefs. Um, so she's been hiding that. She's been hiding her gift. She's been hiding the curse, everything. She just has this facade because she, I think, just doesn't, she worries too much about what might happen um, and puts it off. But, you know, you, that's what happens. You know, you put things off and then your, your kids are grown up, <laughs> you know. So I think that's kind of what happened to Victoria. And then it just becomes a bigger conversation right. and a harder one to have, right? right? If you're having those little conversations about anything with your kids early on, it becomes much easier to have further conversations. I equated this to like the the birds and the bees talk, right? <laughs> if she had been open about some of these things like, oh, this is what I do and I'm lighting this candle because I'm asking for help, like wouldn't that have made this whole discussion easier? Definitely. I think she worried if she just gave a, a little bit, then the doors would fly open. And, um, but yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what we have to do. We kind of have to normalize anything that might be difficult to talk about with our, our children. Um, and their children are so, they get it. You know, we think they're not ready for, for things, but in, in many cases they are. Yeah. Um, and it seems like, so I think Victoria is at this moment sort of weighing whether or not it's time to start Victoria sort of, or start Nikki in on it. Mm -hmm. um, Cause she, she, her her gift for Nikki, her birthday gift for Nikki is uh like a necklace, like a like almost like a totem, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um yes. and that's sort of gonna be her like opening the door to talk about is it the wa that you the loa? The... Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. No. That was yeah, that was it. she's kind of saying, Okay, Nikki might be ready for this. Let's start with, you know, this something that's special to to me and uh explaining a little bit what it was so that was kind of going to be her entry point but that kind of backfires yeah uh because what happens is they go and nikki brings a boy over which is not done this is nikki has broken a rule uh she's never invoked not only is she not supposed to invite boys over she's not supposed to invite anybody over really without asking first um and like they've never really had anybody over uh and it just like sets everyone up uh i love nana gusta she's like all for it and she's just like so excited <laughs> and we have victoria on the other end who is like i have to shut this down um but she has to like leave the table and so she like leaves them all there uh to sort of have dinner without her yeah. Uh, and then so we learn sort of in the course of this family dinner as they're all sort of thinking through this. Um, the family had moved to California from New Orleans when Willow and Victoria were girls um, and all of their dads had died young. Uh, so there are no dads. It is a very female centric household. Um, and eventually Felix, who is Nikki's friend, leaves and Victoria returns and they finish the uninterrupted birthday. Um, and then we get a goose. We start getting Augusta's backstory. 
um, about her. Do you want to tell us about Augusta's fun backstory? Yeah. <laughs> so um, Augusta's living in uh, about Nikki's age when we meet her in uh, New Orleans. Um, and an only child, but lived a um, pretty conventional life. Um, and then she meets a, a man who takes her to a club where she meets uh, a, who she comes to find out is a voodoo sorceress named Bella Nova. And um, Bella Nova offers her an opportunity to learn uh, how to follow in her footsteps. She takes her on as an apprentice, and that's kind of where her life changes. Yeah, so um, she, like, runs away from home, right? And her parents are like, yeah, so she runs away. Her parents are also very, like, kind of controlling and, like, we are clean-cut people, Mm -hmm. Um, which ties us back into victoria and nikki um victoria just forbids nikki from seeing felix ever again doesn't explain why just says like you cannot be with him um which brought me to this question or like this thought of like often parents fall into this trap of like trying so hard to control children's lives yeah and it's just like a futile thing that never works as intended i don't know you have you have older kids, so I don't know if you've ever, like, had to deal with that or, like, how you have managed that or. I didn't have to deal with it um, myself because my kids were, they give me a hard time here and there, but nothing ridiculous or crazy. You know, they were mm-hmm. good kids. But I remember having friends in high school um who maybe this is part of where I got some of the story like they were not I had a couple of friends like they were like not allowed to do anything but uh one of those friends who had this really controlling parent she was like so um like she would take like every kind of risk while we were at school (laughs) and um she like was very daring I maybe got into I didn't really get into trouble, but maybe got close. Be- the The one time I might have gotten close was um, hanging out with her. And I just always felt like maybe it's just because, like, she's not able to do anything. So, um, yeah, I don't think that works. I do think you have to, yeah, as parents, we have to put some limits on what our kids do. And we have to guide them in a certain way. But they have to kind of learn some things on their own we we can't like control them so yeah yeah I I grew up in kind of a strict household like I wasn't allowed to like date until I was 16 which is like pretty normal normal I grew up Mormon Mm -hmm. um and that was pretty normal in that culture but like my parents were like you can't even be in a car with a boy before you're 16 um and so they were like a boy can't drive you home but I was like conveniently or inconveniently, all of my friends that had driver's licenses uh, had were boys, and so. But my parents never wanted to come pick me up, so I would just like lie. Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't do anything bad, but um, I definitely just lied about stuff. I was like, 
my parents would be like, you can't hang out at parties where there's going to be boys. And I would be like, okay. And like, it definitely would happen. And I would just lie and say that they weren't there. Right. Like I feel like really restrictive parenting just results in kids who lie really well. Uh, Exactly. So it's like, um, I mean, this is, I think it's, as you said, we do have to kind of like create limits and boundaries. Um, But if they're too strict, like your kids are just not going to tell you things and it's going to carry over into adulthood kind of building off of this of secrets um i mean there's so many secrets that happen in this book that just compound but um nikki wants to go on birth control which she says is because of her skin (laughs) but she's also starting to get involved with the boy they haven't done anything physical yet but you know she's the smart kids she can see that it will then you know could potentially happen um and so she actually goes to her aunt willow to get birth control um and willow's like even though willow is the cool aunt she's like maybe i shouldn't yeah. uh but instead she sets a spell for them which right is kind of cute and funny like her mom she knows that her mom's still going to be upset about that yeah yeah she, in her mind she's like well Victoria is my meal ticket, in a sense. You know, I I live yeah. under her house. I I work for her, um. So I'm not gonna, no matter what I believe, I'm not gonna do anything like tangible that she can find. Because if she if Victoria finds a birth control pills, she's gonna know for sure who who helped her get it. Even mm-hmm. though, I mean, she can get it on her own. She didn't realize that, um. At least in California, mm-hmm. but um. She's like, but I can do this other thing that I that will guarantee that everything works out, that she'll be good. If if really she was just worried about her skin, which she's not, uh, obviously. Um, so yeah, she she turned to what is in her wheelhouse and what she's comfortable with, which is uh, doing mm-hmm. a trick for her niece. Yeah, and then, um, so we also learned that Willow has been doing more than just receptionist work. She has sort of under the table providing magic to Victoria's clients, just sort of, and she's kind of the, she's the the fun person in the office, and everyone's Mm -hmm. kind of been going there for her. Yeah. So Willow is sort of a bigger... She's a bigger part of Victoria's success than, like, Victoria is aware of. Yeah. Um, and they just, like, nobody ever talks about this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and we backtrack a little bit more and get more of Augusta's, Augusta's backstory where she meets Bella Nova's son, Dudley Lee, who mm-hmm. is betrothed or mm-hmm. engaged to be betrothed yeah. to some other woman who's, like, kind of big news and is supposed to like set them up to be like financially secure. But Augusta decides she wants him um, and starts turning tricks for that under Bella Nova's <laughs> nose. So this whole doing things in secret under everyone's nose is really just, really just ingrained in their family. Yes. Uh, and then Nikki goes against her mother's wishes and puts herself in a position to spend more time with Felix. Um, we have this history of like all these women getting involved with 
men, even though they know that it could be potentially disastrous, <laughs> but they just are like still drawn to connections and um, w- with men in various ways. Um, and nobody's yeah. told Nikki about the curse. I want to explore this idea of, you know, like, that's just, I think we have this innate connection to, or innate um, need to connect with other humans in many levels, but including in a um, romantic way, in a sexual way, that's uh, definitely something that humans crave. And so what, you know, how much are you willing to to risk. Willow has been operating in a way that she, maybe she's not sure if she um, believes that it's true, but she's not going to cross the line, but she'll come as close to the line as she can. So she's not, she won't let herself fall in love basically. Um, So she can still maybe get close to um, men for, for her. Um, But she's goes at she has historically gone after men that are no good so she doesn't risk falling in love in case um the curse is something that will affect her whereas victoria's as we mentioned victoria's strategy is just to stay away from uh limit herself and her child in any um situation that could lead to them falling in love yeah and this um this is something that like augusta thinks about as well and she says you know, bella nova's curse had impacted each of them but they had responded in different ways and i this happens a lot in families of like two people involved in the same experience can have very different responses to it um and it's like we like w- why like is it nature and is it nurture like which one of those comes out on top more? Um, is that something that you guys, like you said you studied sociology. Is that something that ever came up in that? Yeah. They're both important, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, t- I teach a lot about, um, I, I mean, it comes up in classes, the whole idea of um, nature versus nurture. I teach public health, but we talk about things like alcoholism and they've done these studies um, about alcoholism uh, and there being an alcoholism gene and um, even you have twins maybe it's not twins or siblings um, but they've done studies with siblings who um, had an alcoholic parent and even living in separate households maybe one lived with the parent and one did not they um they still were likely to become alcoholics as definitely think nature can play a big role, but nurture also, you know, is going to um, be significant for a lot of the ways that we behave. So it's one of those. I feel like most of the stuff I've read, like the conclusion is that we don't know. They're both important. Dynamic mixes that you can't pull apart. It's, it's, too tangled and um but i think both are very heavy yeah and it's as a young mom or you know as i mean Mm -hmm. i don't feel young because i live in a (laughs) military community so like all the moms my age have like four or five kids um (laughs) but uh as a mom of a young child it's like 
getting all of this information of like, you have to, you can't give them red M&Ms or it's going to turn them into a psychopath. <laughs> but also other ones are like, it's not about the food. It's just like all their genetics. And um, April, we used to watch Criminal Minds mm-hmm. <laughs> in college. And April and I always joked about like, I hope I don't give birth to a, so- a psychopath. Um, but it's like <laughs> on there, they always talk about like, oh, well, like they're just, their brains are just neurologically predisposed to being a psychopath. And then it's like, but they all grew up in like abusive households. So it's like, like there's just so much and like trying to parent a young child, like, oh no, I let my kid eat red dye 40. Like, what does that mean? Right. Um, or like even, even mom's getting on a pedestal and being like, well, my kid is so good at sitting down and watching a whole movie or like reading books by himself for two hours. And it's like, cool, yeah. my kid peed on a tree today and that was his like crowning achievement <laughs> like I think that kids are just they kids. are I mean it, and it's so hard not to get caught up with the comparison game with you know uh with with kids I mean I can't imagine being the parent of a young kid today I mean even um with with my kids we didn't we had uh, I, I feel like I'm really dating myself. I was about to say we had the internet. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, social media definitely was not as big. And so I think that's, well, I don't know. There's just a different um, experience where I don't think I felt as um, the pressure that maybe you do for any kind of conformity or comparison. But I think that that's really tough i'm starting to be like you know what do the things that work for you the things that don't work for you just put them out the window yeah i i at the end of the day that that's all you can really do and because what you're what you you know what you start doing today then a year later it's like that's terrible don't don't do that don't do that anymore you're like what you just told me all the reasons why i should be you know feeding my kids this and that you know i don't know you can't you can't keep up with it so just let it all go <laughs> yeah i i see all these stories of them being like they used to put cereal in baby bottles and i don't do that anymore and it's like well that was what the people the ex- experts were telling them back then so right. we can't i mean when my father-in-law was a kid they were like just give your kid some whiskey right on his gums when he's teething he'll be that was me he'll be out right (laughs) i i had plenty of whiskey (laughs) (laughs) i mean i feel like regardless of all the stuff that's happening most of us turn out okay Uh you know we turn out i mean we all have our things but most of us like (laughs) become functioning adults (laughs) uh and can move on um so back to the book that was a little bit of a tangent um <laughs> where were we uh we were talking about uh so we do see like there's you know each sister has a completely different way of reacting to this curse victoria just like is like, i'm gonna shut it down like shut it all off i'm not even gonna let um nikki pursue it because there's just too much pain involved and it's better to just not even test that mm-hmm. uh whereas willow is like I'm going to go all out and I'm going to enjoy men, but I'm not going to let myself fall in love with them and and I'll be safe that way. Um, And speaking of which, she does start 
getting involved with this guy named January, uh, who she fully intends to sort of be a one-off like all the others. And then um, Augusta gets a message. Well, Willow gets a message from her uh, aunt that she doesn't know, but Augusta sees it first and deletes it. So another layer of we're just going to shut all these things down before they have any can gain any traction, um, which never works. And it all starts to sort of come out when Madeline returns, uh, who is Augusta's daughter and Willow and Victoria's mother. Um, Willow is pretty like pleased about this. Uh, Victoria and Augusta are absolutely not. Um, and then Nikki is sort of intrigued by this grandmother she's never met. Um, and Madeline is the one who ends up revealing the full curse to Nikki and is just sort of like, well, don't you know about this? She does the grandma <laughs> thing who like, you know, they come in and they're like, well, I'm just, I don't need to follow any of your boundaries. So yes. like, we're just going to do this. Yes. Um, and then willow brings january over to the house so everyone's just breaking rules now and stepping over the boundaries um victoria decides to try and scare him away by telling him about the curse um and then in the midst of this we learn that augusta and dudley lee um eloped so again we were right back to this futility of like trying to control our kids lives and their decisions it's interesting seeing like the patterns that are falling through this family um that really has kind of made me think of like generational relationships and like the patterns we just sort of uh inherently pick up um like i my grandpa and my grandmother eloped and then I had a cousin who eloped. <laughs> so I'm like, that's funny that that happens. Um, but also just like the way that parents and children relate to each other and grandparents and children relate to each other. Um, like I've often seen, you know, grandparents. I got along with my grandparents much better than I got along with my parents because they weren't as controlling. Um, and I think that comes from just perspective. <laughs> It, yes, definitely. I mean, I um, so I didn't know my I didn't know my grandparents, but um, I again one of those relationships I wished I had. But I saw my parents be grandparents to to my kids, and um, hopefully one day I will be a grandparent as well. And I already I already know I'm like okay I know. I know what I did wrong those first four times. <laughs> so I know exactly how I'm going to do it with, with these, with this new group, you know, and uh, it definitely, you know, I know that they already have parents who will have a certain way of doing things. And so I just want, I think that also takes some of the pressure off of that grandparent relationship um, because they're kind of that, that part is handled. And so you can, you can be a, a teacher. You can help them explore. I don't know. I just I have all these grand ideas, grand <laughs> ideas of what it's going to be uh, as a grand uh, mother. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe I am too. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> not to wish you away my son's time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I already am like, oh, it'll be so fun to like have a teenager. Like, I love my child at the age he is now. 
Uh, and I, I've loved watching him explore and grow like through every phase, but I'm like, oh, I just think it'll be so fun yeah, to like not be actively parenting and like have it all sort of be on me. Yes. <laughs> like, um, how age offers you perspective. I say, I say this to my students a lot too, of like, you know, when you get older, like we often think that old people just don't care anymore but I'm like I think it's more that they've just seen the same cycle happening over and over again so they're just like oh this this again like not that they don't care they're just like been here done this like it's 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 a cycle um and they're just a lot I think it's nice because they're a lot calmer about stuff so it's like when we're all in our anxiety phase they're like you know what it's gonna pass and in 50 years, you're going to see this happen again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, they're just there to be chill and guide us. Yeah. And, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm, I definitely don't have the energy that I have. So I feel like that's an, another thing with grandparents. They're like, they don't have any energy for, for the BS. And so they're, they're going to step in for the, for the key things that are, that are really needed, the essentials and, and that's it. Like, yeah, your grandparents let you get away with everything because they're tired. <laughs> they're tired, right? Uh, um, yeah, okay. So then we get Nikki actually starts to te- ask Willow to teach her about um, voodoo and hoodoo. Uh, it seems like Willow's more on the hoodoo end of, of the yeah. scale. Um, so she starts to ask that so she can essentially start her own spells. Um, Nikki starts to cross paths with russell while she's out with felix um and russell is one of her mom's clients who like wants to be romantically interested but like we know that nick or we know that victoria is not about that um he tries to get her to put in a good word for him and she's just like okay this is weird and uh we don't really see russell again for a little while but (laughs) so we have all of these women have men that are sort of trying to be in their lives and they're all Nikki's the only one that's like actively pursuing it and the other ones are like falling into it but like wanting to stay out of it because they've had experience with all of these men and it's all fun and new to Nikki Mm -hmm. um so Victoria discovers everything though she finds out about a willow spell for um Nikki and Felix uh so she takes Nikki's phone uh she also finds out that uh, Nikki's been seeing Felix in secret. Um, so she takes the phone. Uh, she ends up kicking Willow out. <laughs> uh, Willow then goes to live at January's house, which is like not something she's ever done. Uh, and then Madeline sort of starts filling in the gaps at the house. She's she's supposed to be there temporarily, but sort of stays there longer. Yeah. And, uh, and becomes the receptionist. Yeah. yeah. She, she kind of works her own magic in a sense in that she's there to to take over she's she has a history with the family because she um has uh made some some mistakes uh she was an addict for many years and um has wronged victoria probably more than willow because again victoria is the one who um has kind of set herself up to take care of of people um but she shows that she um can be dependent on she can 
uh, do something important for this family. For this is probably the first time that she's really stepped up, and um, so that yeah, that's kind of Madeline's way of working herself back into the good graces of the family. Uh, Nikki or it's Victoria really starts to like warm toward mm-hmm. her um and like i think like this is also them started everyone like it's all gone to shit but also this is like that first moment of them working towards becoming stronger um sort of like it has to get worse before it gets better right like gotta tear your muscles to build them up uh and um this is sort of the start of that it still gets worse but it gets um <laughs> We're, we're on our everything's sort of coming out and they're starting to like recognize how they've been living is not working and that something needs to be done um we also learned that um jimmy who was victoria's late husband uh died in an accident when she was pregnant and willow had been off in new orleans um willow continues living with january um it's not all that great um we get more of Augusta's backstory. Um, she and Dudley sort of get rejected by Bellanova, um, right? She like kicks them out, or, or well, they um, they never go back. Once they elope, they they know kind of the wrath that they're going to get from mm-hmm. Bellanova because she expected to have this be married through Dudley Lee to this, you know wealthy Mm -hmm. new orleans family and they just ruined it for her so they're just kind of staying away from from her yeah um and augusta starts her own shop and she kind of starts scalping uh bellanova's clients so um just she just keeps adding salt to these women's this woman's wounds so she kind of, I mean, she admits, she's like, I kind of brought this on myself, but, like, she also is very young and is, like, had grown up in a very restricted household and, like, she doesn't know. Uh, and they need a way to survive because Dudley ends up being kind of a deadbeat. Uh, and um, she's got to sort of take things into her own hands. Um, Madeline and Victoria, meanwhile, uh, see a social media video of January with a family and they start investigating and find out that he is double crossing Willow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they don't tell her yet. She yes. finds out later. Yeah. She's not living with the family at the time, so they're not really speaking to mm-hmm. her. Yet. And then we learn more about the Willow, Victoria, Jimmy Love Triangle um, and learn that Willow had actually been attracted to Jimmy and had wanted him for herself, only for him to turn to Victoria. And she uh, made a spell, a, a revenge spell, mm-hmm. but was it against basically to take Jimmy out of the picture? I don't think that was her intention, though, right? right? She, Not to like. She, um, her intention was uh, uh, to cause a spell for her. For Jimmy to lose interest, to let go of Victoria, um, she. But there ended up being uh, what she believes happened is uh, it was a spell that killed Jimmy, um, rather than it was mm-hmm. her spell, not the curse that killed Jimmy. That's why she believes that she has the gift because 
she set the the curse in order. And that's why she's not 100% sure that she quite commits to the curse, but um but she 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 realizes she could still be wrong. Maybe Victoria really does have the gift and that mean that she the curse is not her responsibility. So, um but yes, she she does have some some guilt there. With both of the sisters, they sort of both believe that Jimmy's death is their fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like, Victoria is like, oh, I sent him off to get food because I was, you know, pregnancy cravings. And Willow's like, it was my fault that he died because of this spell. Um, and I, I think it's, this is something that happens a lot with women in general is like, blaming ourselves for stuff that like we don't really have any control over especially like other people's actions Mm -hmm. um and it's like we're just so trained to take that upon ourselves and just be like it's my fault it's my fault that my kid you know robbed a store or whatever it's my fault that my husband cheated on me um without taking into account like there's other factors at play right i think women tend to have um, a lot of self-awareness, which is a good thing, but Mm -hmm. I think we take it too far often and that's what makes us, um, you know, feel guilt uh, when we shouldn't or um, state that we Maybe and maybe it's also that controlling thing too. You know, maybe we felt that if I if I would have just done this, or I should I should have been even more controlling. You know, um, but yeah, you're a hundred percent correct that uh, it's something that we tend to do as women um, way more than anyone else. Maybe men do it. Never heard a man that's like, oh, I think it's my fault, but. I think it's my fault that my family left me. Very rare. Okay, so then we get Nikki really like really toes over the line now. She meets Felix at a hotel. Um, and they're gonna their plan is their plan is to just have sex. Uh as you do as a teenager in a hotel room, I guess. That was not me, so I don't know. Um, and sort of in the midst of that, Felix leaves. Uh, he makes this excuse that he has to go get a condom and he never comes back. Um, and later we learn, oh, it's be- somebody told him about the curse. I feel like I skipped over that. He has been told the curse. She and, yeah, they, somewhere along the line that I skipped over, everyone knows about the curse. Um, yeah. And he... She, um... Oh, she just, she kind of had mentioned it a little bit like vaguely but at the hotel she kind of fills in the the details and so that's why I think he starts thinking about it then and leaves and doesn't come back yeah and he he later apologizes and was like I'm sorry I didn't believe it at first and then I got freaked out it's like I I mean he's like a 17 year old kid or 18 year old kids like yeah I get it probably not the best (laughs) way to handle that situation but like 18 year old boys are not smart yeah uh so I mean unfortunately for Nikki she's sort of left there and like uh, she blames herself a little bit but also she's very she's a problem solver and is like, okay, in order to get Felix 
back. I got to break this curse. And so she becomes, you know, the child that is like, we're going to fix this rather than just living with the problem. Um, we get the rest of Augusta's backstory. Uh, we find out that Dudley dies. She meets Benjamin Montrose, uh, who is a pastor through. Uh, she gets pregnant with Madeline um, and never hears from Benjamin again. She believes that he died in a train crash on the way to Chicago. Um, so she's just like, I'm just a single mom now. Um, and then she decides she needs to tell Nikki the full story. Um, and she does. She tells her, you know, she I guess she had sort of presented it as like Bella Nova was just jealous of my powers when it was really like she took her son. She scalped her clients. She stole her spell book uh, like she had done some wrong things. Um, and so she tells I, Nikki's the only one she tells. Right. So maybe that's why Nikki is like, I'm going to be the one to stop this. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then everything starts to be revealed. Nikki discovers that Willow might have used revenge oil on her dad. Then Willow comes back home. They all find out that Nikki has run away and realize that she has gone to New Orleans um, to go to the shop and find the missing pages from the spell book so she can undo the spell. Um, and the whole family follows her, which is just great i love this idea of like manic traveling chasing <laughs> after someone <laughs> um and they all end up in new orleans which are you have are you from new orleans or like have family there my family is from louisiana and my uncle lived there um and so every summer i would travel to new orleans with my mom who was a teacher so we she had the summers off so we would take the train to New Orleans, because my mom didn't fly. Uh, we took the train every summer to New Orleans to visit him. So it has a special place in my heart. Yeah, it's such a... I went there, I don't know, like a decade ago. It's such a, like, unique city. Oh, like, no. I think everyone should visit New Orleans. <laughs> but I just think, like, there's so... You know, New York and L.A., like, they're all so vastly different. But, like, they still feel like... They, you know, you could be in either yes. place in certain places, but like New Orleans is just so like magical and unique and like has that French colonial flair to it. And it's yeah. just so lovely. So I like loved them being in New Orleans and like this magic and made me want a beignet really badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any um, of the food. Give it, give me any of the food out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they all go and they go to the old shop where Augusta um, had trained and Bella Nova is still alive. Still alive. She's 102. <laughs> uh, and she's there with one of her granddaughters. Apparently Dudley Lee was also a double timing man who had a bunch of kids, who had a bunch of kids. <laughs> uh, and they confront her and Augusta apologizes and Bella Nova is like, all you had to do was sing the song um, <laughs> to make the curse go away. She's like, you had it under your nose the whole time. And I was just like, that's perfect. Like, we just get so wrapped up in issues that we, like, can't see the solution right in front of us. But I'm like, I'm glad that they had to travel all the way to New Orleans to make this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, and the fact that they followed Nikki there. Like, she was the one who was like, I need to do something. I need to do something about this. I think people, uh, I think my generation, we kind of, again, this, I'm speaking in generalizations, but we just kind of, this is your lot. This is what you've been given. You learned it to deal with it. You work around it. You work through it. But this is what you have presented in front of you. Whereas my 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 youngest daughter, like you give her something and she doesn't like it. And she's like, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to deal with this. We are go we're going to jump over it. We're going to knock it down. We're going to go another way, but we're not going to just, I'm not dealing with this. And so that's kind of how I saw um, Nikki as well. You needed, you kind of needed all these things to come together. Madeline to arrive, um, uh, Bellanova to still be alive for Nikki to want to make this change for, for the ending to happen. Um, our kids just like drive us to do so many things we never mm -hmm. thought that we would be into and mm -hmm. thought that we would do. Um, like, uh, I, I've talked about this in like interviews and stuff. And, um, my second book that I'm working on, I, um, I had always been afraid to write about like race. And so I always had like no characters with no race, which all, oh, we all know just means like the <laughs> default, the white, yeah. um, <laughs> Uh, and so the second one that I was working on was like right after my son and it was like during the summer uh, of 2020 um, and all of that was happening. And I just like, I don't know, having my son just made me really be like, I, I can't not have a view in this world. Like I had always been mm -hmm. like, I got to be neutral. I don't want to take sides. And I was like, I, my son is, you know, he's only a quarter black, but so he's white passing and I'm just like, but what if he's, you know, what if he's not when he's older? What if he's darker? And I was just like, I can't have my son grow up in this world. Um, and so I'm like, I have, like, now I'm, like, way more vocal about stuff that I never would have thought. Just because, mm -hmm. like, I have this kid and I, I'm seeing him and seeing the world that he's growing up in. And yeah, it's okay to not have kids. You don't need to have kids to see the world in a new light. But right. um, just, like, they, I, I, I teach a lot of teenagers and. I know you teach college students too so you see the same generation um but like they are just like i feel like teenagers and young college students get a bad rap for being like they don't know what's going on or they're just like but i think they are going to be the ones to save us um the, yeah. the, the new gen the new generation is just very much like i don't like that and i'm not doing it and yeah. i don't care if that's been the system um, and yes. I wish I was a little bit more like that, but uh, I think I'm, I'm a, I'm a millennial, so we're sort of like that transitional one where it's like, well, I don't like this, so I'm just going to very quietly not do the thing, but like, right, right. just do the bare minimum. Yes. And like the next generation is like, yeah, I'm just not even going to deal with that. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So we get to the end of the book. Nikki sort of brings them all together. Uh, they end up going back home. Willow is, you know, she's like, I'm gonna, I don't want to come back to work for you. Um, but she also is like, would you like to sponsor me writing this hoodoo book? Um, and then <laughs> they all go on a cruise and it's just this fun family ending where they all go and have fun. And Victoria starts to get involved with Russell and like open her heart again. Well, it's a happy ending. The family's stronger. They're all coming into their own. 
Um, and that is the end of Black Candle Women, which was, it was just a fun, a beautiful, you have some like really beautiful writing in there. And I love complicated family stories. Um, and we have a mix of like, uh, contentious relationships but also like really beautiful strong relationships between the generations um and like learning how to overcome it um and so i and also having you know black characters who are just people (laughs) and are are, i'm sure this is a proponent of the publishing industry where they're like we want black stories but we want it to be about the trauma of being black right um and so I just really loved that yours was just like about this women, this this family of black women who are just un, a family. Mm-hmm. And that is the heart of the story. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, and that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to tell this family's story um, and hope that it resonated with with people in some way. So, yeah. Um, so as we wrap up, we just had a couple more questions for you. Um, uh, at the end of your book, you have a playlist listed out, oh, which yeah. I love. Um, so uh, tell us about the playlist. Like, do you have a like scenes that you would think correspond with each song? You don't have to walk us through them, but was that did they did you play it while you were writing or? Yeah, specific- some of them- yeah, some of those songs I, I I listened to quite often as I was writing, but rather than scenes, I associated um, songs with characters. Um, mm. So the main characters, but even some characters that just make appearances here and there, like Bellanova or Felix or January, there's kind of a song that's connected to each one of them. And so, and I had even like written it down, but then my my editor I just kind of sent it to her as for fun and she's like oh let's put it in the book but she didn't think we needed the the name so yeah I love that that's the first time I've ever seen that and I was like this is amazing because I also make uh playlists so yeah I've never thought of like having them put it in the book so maybe my next one I'll be like we gotta put a playlist in here (laughs) um but yeah that's really fun um so you can uh if you go to the back book, you can find it on Spotify. Um, and then what has been your favorite part of parenthood? Wow. Um, I think <clears throat> I well, I definitely what I now that my kids are older, um, I never thought I would say this, but I miss the the mad scrambles and <laughs> running around with Um, Because my kids, they played volleyball, like they did dance and like hardcore, like club volleyball, like travel dance, um, I had a a drummer. I miss all those activities because even though I feel like I wasn't 100% there because as I'm driving one, I'm thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner and I have to get to the grocery store and, oh, let me, I have to go watch one of them being a a play and then as soon as it's over I'm taking off so uh that like wore me out but um but those are good times because you I don't know you don't get them back and they they go by so fast um so I I kind of have a lot of sweet memories from from those times but um I think just now I I love being the parents of adults because we can just 
we hang mm-hmm. out, we have a, you know, especially with my oldest, we'll have a glass of wine together or we travel together. And so I'm, um, I'm really enjoying this phase of having uh, young adults for kids. Thanks. That's great. I'll, I'll keep that in mind as a <laughs> kid grows up and starts right. to get involved in stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. And last question. What is a favorite book that you have read lately? So not favorite, but just one that you've liked okay. at least. Um, I really enjoyed um, The Violin Conspiracy by Brendan Slocum. Uh, okay. I read that last month, I think. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks again so much for joining us. Um, so what's next for you and where can people find you? Um, so I am working on my next book, but I haven't gotten a lot of writing done, but I'm doing a lot of research, which is fun. I don't know if you do a lot of, if you're, if you ever get stuck in that kind of a rut, but well, not a rut because, but it just, it's can get never ending. At some point I have to say, okay, enough research I gotta apply this in some way and then I'm just doing quite a bit of reading because I'm doing um some what of course I'm always doing reading but I have some in conversation chats with people whose books are coming out over the next few weeks and so that's always neat um so I'm reading their books um and yeah that's that's pretty much what what and my day job um of course and i and i hang out most of the time on instagram and i'm at diane underscore marie underscore brown um for instagram so thanks again for being on the show today diane it was great to talk to you um and be sure to follow diane and pick up her book you can order it through our bookshop.org page which you'll get through our link tree be sure to follow us and like and subscribe on all of the socials and wherever you get your podcasts Uh, share us as well if you like us if you don't like us just quietly say nothing at all Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.